in the last week in First Peter. Uh, it's been about nine weeks, and I hope you've enjoyed the journey from verse 1, chapter 1, all the way through this, this week. Love Peter. Who doesn't love Peter? Come on. I mean, sorry. Who does love Peter? You don't put your hands up for the first question. That was a bit weird to say that. Um, but he, he's, this, he's a man. He spent time with Jesus, and he, he got it. Like, he, he passionately followed him and led the church, did all these amazing things. And so he's got, he knows some stuff. It's worth, worth listening to what he has to say. So here we are at the end of this, this great letter that was passed around to the churches and passed around to us today as well. And he has some advice for church leaders. So today we're going we're gonna to cover some, some of these tips, some of these uh, uh, words of encouragement for, for leaders. We'll call them leadership lessons. But while Peter says, you know, he says, these are for the elders of the church, I actually think they're for all of us, quite frankly, because we actually all do, we do leadership in different ways throughout our life. You might think, no, that's not me. I'm not a leader. Um, but actually, you do. You have moments when you lead. You can be a mum and a dad. You lead your kids, a grandparent. Um, you know, you can just even be someone who perhaps has a little bit more wisdom and experience in life. And people look to you as a leader, even though you may not even have a title. And so the, today's word is for everyone. In the church, there's people with more mature faith, right? That's how it works, isn't it? As we um, know Jesus more and more, our, our faith in him matures. That actually makes you somewhat of a leader. People who are new to the faith look to you for, as an example. Let's read it together. We're in chapter 5 of First Peter, starting at verse 1. Here's what he says. And now, a word to you who are elders in the churches. Remember, elders and all of us, all right? I'm just adding, you're not supposed to add to the Bible, but I'm doing that today. I too am an elder and a witness to the sufferings of Christ, and I too will share in his glory when he is revealed to the whole world. As a fellow elder, I appeal to you, care for the flock that God has entrusted to you, Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. And when the great shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of never-ending glory and honor. In the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders, and all of you dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. And, and then he quotes from Proverbs, For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering that you are in his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you. And he will place you on a firm foundation. All power to him forever. Amen. Amen? That's a great way to finish this letter. There's a few more verses that we'll share right at the end. But there's six essential leadership lessons that I pulled out of that. And maybe you saw a few more. Of course, there's more than just six. You know, the Bible will teach a lot more. 
about how to be a, a, a great example to people, how to be a leader. I'll call today, lead like Jesus, because even though this is Peter saying these words, I, I can think of how they relate, they connect very much to how Jesus showed us the way. So the first, the first thing he said, and this is key, right, when we're leading like Jesus, is care for people. That's the primary motivation for why we lead. Verse 2 says it, care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Literally, what is my primary motivation for when God asks me to lead something? It's this, I, it's because I care for, for you. You know, it's, it's, why, it's why people should step up into that space. It's not actually about me. It's because actually I, I, we care. This is where leaders can go wrong. If leadership is about me and satisfying my own desires, you know, I want to get in there and have that power and that control. It's about my ego, perhaps. I, I just think, according to Scripture, that's, that, me, that disqualifies us. You know, we're not fit to lead in the church in particular. I would say in general outside of the church as well. It's not actually supposed to be about me. We lead the church because we care about people. We want the best for them. We especially want you to know Jesus deeply. You know, that's the, this is the motivating, motivating desire. I, I care about your relationship with God. We want you to grow in your faith. We want you to have the life to the full that Jesus talks about. You know, this is the, again, it's the motivation, right? It's like, it's not about me I really want to see you be discipled and know God. We want people to be healed. We want marriages to be strong or restored. We want you to be free from those things that are holding you back, the, the sin that keeps coming into your life, those addictions perhaps. We want you to have deep, lifelong relationships with each other. We want you to be supported during difficult seasons. We want those outside of God's kingdom who haven't yet said yes to Jesus, we want them to be in the kingdom we want our neighborhood we want, and our city to flourish. We, we believe that's God's will and purpose for us. We want people in need to have their needs met. It's not about the leader's position or power or reputation. It's about caring for people. You know, that's what Peter says. Care for the flock. He's talking about the church, so yes, he's talking to pastors and elders. But this one is way at the top. So even as we read through the rest of these today, we always keep in mind that's number one. The second thing is this, always be keen to lead well. Peter says, watch over it as in the church or the flock or the people that you are leading willingly and not grudgingly. There's nothing worse than a half-hearted leader who grudgingly leads an organization or a team. Has anyone ever experienced that? Because the group that you're leading will eventually fade away. Negative, half-hearted leadership is not effective. It has no longevity. Peter says, be keen. Watch over it willingly. It means we put preparation in. It means that when I put my hand up, I'm actually going to do the work that God calls me to do. You know, we're organized, we're not lazy, and most of all, we bring the right energy into the organization or the team of people that we're leading. Peter was actually, wasn't he a great example of energy? You know, some would say sometimes he was a little reckless, perhaps. But, you know, I think I'd rather see that than half-heartedness, you know, not being willing. Peter was the one that stepped out of the boat, wasn't he? 
You know, he's, he's like, I'm, I'm going willingly. No one else did. When Jesus asked the disciples, he said, well, who do you say that I am? They all sat quietly. He put his hand up. He had to go. He said, I think you're the Messiah. No one else did that. Peter was the one who stayed around after everyone else fled when Jesus was arrested. Peter was the one who preached the first sermon after Pentecost. Can you imagine after the Holy Spirit came, there was an amazing upper room experience where it looked like tongues of fire. You know, there was, they, they were speaking in other languages so that they could spread the gospel. Can you imagine that discussion about who's going to go out now and say the first sermon? Uh, Peter's the one that goes, I'll do it. I'll have a go. And he did. And like revival kind of broke out because thousands of people were convinced and followed Jesus. Peter took time to disciple the believers and he wrote letters even that we've been reading them for the last nine, uh, ten weeks. He stayed keen all the way up until the end of his life. In fact, gave his life for the kingdom, for the gospel. He was keen. He was willing. And if you're leading people grudgingly, I just want to encourage you, and this, these words are always for me, today as well, uh, rethink your approach. If you were once keen and you're, not long, you're no longer keen, consider what it is that you need to do. You know, what action do you need to take? You may be tired and need a break. You may need more help. You may have been hurt and need support. You may need healing in your life. It may be that it's time for the next person to take over even. Sometimes it's just that leadership is really hard and the, and the knocks that come your way can wear you down. Perhaps you need one or more people to do leadership alongside of you. That's the best way to do leadership in my experience, where you support each other. Perhaps you need a mentor or a peer outside of your inner circle to help you see things objectively and talk and pray about things. Because leadership is not easy. It can be lonely. It has its frustrations. Sometimes you think, where's the fruit? It feels slim at times, slim pickings. And you can feel demoralized, but this, and by the way, this is not me telling you how I feel right now, so don't read into this anything. I'm just saying that in my experience, these seasons happen in leadership. There's something to say about not giving up and checking yourself and ensuring the willingness is still present, and if it's not, then we have to actually find some help. So I actually love this point. Be keen. Do it willingly. People are actually attracted to that. That's why we love Peter. Number three is lead by example. Verse three said, don't lord it over the people you're assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. Whew, there's nothing worse, is there, than a, a leader who says one thing and does another. Does everyone know what I'm talking about? Because in the end, isn't that just, that's fake. Fake leaders. You can't preach grace and love and care and morals and discipline if you don't have grace and care and morals and discipline in your own life. In my experience, I've learned from watching good leaders probably even more than from listening to them. You know, I watched them outside of the pulpit and when they're writing books or whatever. You know, when you encounter someone and you can see how they live their life, I'm like, that's a leader that I want to follow and I want to emulate. I've also learned from watching bad leaders, by the way. 
you can do that. Not that you get in behind a bad leader, but you can learn from bad leaders. Now, don't get me wrong, of course, I listen as well. But in my experience, leaders who say one thing but do another thing, the power of their words actually go. You know, there's no... Because it's not real. The example's not there. The power of their words spoken leaves them. You can be a super gifted speaker, amazing at organising and planning. You can be knowledgeable and talented. You, know, you can even have a flurry of growth, perhaps, in whatever it is you're leading, in your ministry, perhaps. These things can happen, but if your life doesn't match what you preach, in other words, reflect Jesus by your example. All those gifts, talents, and skills, eventually they mean nothing, and it catches up with you. And people stop listening. You know, I've had people say to me in my life, what, what I kind of witnessed behind the scenes was shocking with how they spoke to people and about people and it made me wonder about why we are listening to them at all. And I pray God never let that happen to me. Leading by example means how I care for others is the primary concern. We said that even when nobody's watching, by the way. That's what people with integrity in particular, but leaders should be able to do. How I treat my spouse and my kids, how I talk to my, my staff, how I talk about even the person who's above me, my boss, how quickly I forgive someone who did the wrong thing by me, how positive I am about people's achievements, and also how encouraging I am when people struggle, when people perhaps fall or fail, how patient and kind I am, this is how we lead by example. You don't have to be perfect. In fact, how you respond to disappointments, failures and mistakes, and even how you respond when you yourself have mucked up or stuffed up or sinned even in your life, that's vital to a good leadership example. Peter says, lead by a good example. When you're quick to apologize to someone that you're leading, that's a good example. When you admit your mistakes quickly, that's a good example. When you listen to someone's feedback without the defenses going up, that's a hard one, isn't it? If someone brings you some hopefully constructive feedback or criticism, I don't know about you guys, there's something I've had to work in in my life, the defenses can go up pretty quickly. But good leaders don't do that. They temper the defenses and they receive the good bits of what they they're getting anyway and, and understand that if it's not constructive, they don't have to take it on board. How you patiently and kindly correct or give that feedback yourself, which inevitably you do when you're in leadership, and how you go about that, do people receive compassion and integrity from you in that, in that time when you actually have to bring some uh, direction or correction to people? We lead by example. How you take care of yourself and have a, a balanced life that's an example as well. Putting healthy boundaries in place, being honest about my own weaknesses, about being honest about my own shadows, my own blind spots, that's leading by example. You know, not pretending that you got it all together. Being disciplined in my spiritual formation, how my walk with Jesus goes. If I'm an elder in the church, this is an essential. We can't fake it, we can't pretend. We have to lead by example how we walk with the Lord. It means being willing to do the menial tasks, never getting, it, uh, you know, never being above 
the groundwork, if you, if you know what I mean. Of, of course, being good leaders means you know how to delegate and raise a team to share the load. But we're servant leaders like Jesus was. And Peter says, you don't, you don't lord it over people. That's not what Christian leaders do. We're, we're equal. We're equal. Remember what Paul always says. There's no biases or levels in the kingdom. We're all equal. So we lead by example, like Peter, like Jesus. Then he says, submit to authority. In the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders. Now, we already covered this a few weeks back because there was a whole section that Peter talked about submitting to authority. Even though Peter seems to be talking to younger people, though, I want to add, if you are a leader, lead by example on this one as well. You too should submit to those who are above you, including the ones that you don't always agree with, including the ones who have a different philosophy of leadership or whatever it is, how you submit to others is going back to step three a little bit. It's also an example. We've talked about how we do submission to authority and the godly ways that we disagree, the godly ways that we can even disagree with our governments and stuff like that and make sure that we're always a good witness Young people, think about how you submit to your teachers. And here's one for you, how you submit to your parents. I know, it's in the Bible, by the way. <laughs> how you submit to your youth leaders. You know, it doesn't mean you have to agree with everything they say, but the respect is a good witness, even to your parents. I just happened to see one of my kids as I said it, and she looked away. No, just, hey, darling. <laughs> My kids do do that. You can be a good witness to Christ in how you honour and respect those above you. Through Christian submission. And also, young people, one day you will have young people that you will lead. And you'll look back and think about what you did. Hopefully it was good. We're going to skip the rest of verse 5 and 6 and come back to them later. Because point 5 is trust God. He has your back. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Without God's help and care, you know, this verse, without this, I don't know if I'd be here today, still as your pastor. Barely a week goes by when I'm not praying something along the lines of, well, God, I need you to take care of that one, because I can't do anything about it. It's beyond my capabilities. Peter says, all your worries, all your cares, literally, this is what Peter says, it's in the Bible, you can give them to God. That's pretty good, isn't it? When you think about it. Personally, I find the best way to do this, because if you, you know, some of you are kind of pragmatic, you're like me, it's like, well, how do I do that? How do I do that? Because it doesn't feel like it really happens. Anyone want to know how you do that? All right, well, for the two people that said yes, here we go. I find the best way is to do something practical. So do my morning devotion. I've got, I've got a seat by the front window where I keep my little journal. Um, and I, I usually listen to the Bible in One Year app. That's just um, what... 
I find a good way to, to stay in the Bible and I make some notes. You think about what's the application for me. But then I pray and I find it most helpful. I never used to do this, but the last few years since my long service leave, I found it very helpful whenever people have said to me, be a, use a journal. I've always dismissed it because I hated the idea. It's not me. I'm not going to write things down. I just want to hear things, pray and go, right? And so I've started using a, broad, a, a, a um, journal <laughs> and... Uh, and, and start writing out, what are these cares as a prayer? I just start writing them out. Sometimes it's just one word. Sometimes I'll write the whole sentence to God. This helps me for you pragmatic ones who are looking for how do I do this. It helps me to express it to God very clearly. And then it helps me to wait and leave it with him. And let his spirit actually commune with me as I abide, hear his voice, and find the peace that he wants me to have in that moment. Because my experience has always been, I'll just say that out loud. God, that's a big problem that I can't deal with. Thanks very much and walk away. And the anxiety is still there. Of course it is. I haven't listened to a thing God said. Isn't that ridiculous when you think about it? When you go to someone for help, an elder or a, um, a wise person or someone you trust, you don't just tell them what's going on in your life and then walk out the door and they say nothing to you, do you? We don't do that. We actually want the wise advice. Sometimes we've got to just wait upon the Lord. You go back to John chapter 15. What does he say? Remain in me. Some Bibles translations say, abide in me. Literally, stop hurrying around and let God do what he wants to do. Next year, we're doing a series on, we're going to call it something good because if I say these words, you'll go, I don't know if I'll come to that, but we're going to do a series on the spiritual disciplines. We'll find a better name. Because as soon as we hear the word discipline, we're like, it's going to make me do something. I'm busy. That's the point. You're busy. We hurry around, fill up all of our calendar with stuff. Lots of work stuff. Lots of socializing. I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying we put way too much of it in. And, we, and then when we've got some spare time, we pick up our devices and fill up our life with what's going on online. And our guide's up there saying, I want to take your cares and your worries and give you peace about it. But you never give me a chance. I hope it's okay to speak for God in, a, in that sense. I've gone off my notes. It's what Peter says to do. It's in the Bible. God wants you to do this, to give him your cares. So I do that and then I take a deep breath and I leave it with him. And then the next day I do it again. And I think I'm still here because of God helping me through those moments. If you're a Christian leader, thank you. Give your worries to God. Now, we've taken this verse by itself, and it does work by itself, and put it on the mugs and all that sort of stuff, right? It's good. It's for everybody. 
But it's actually in context of leadership, isn't it? So if God's given you a job to do and it's really hard and people are coming against you, perhaps, or whatever, I've got a special word for you today. That's for you. Give all of your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. Me, he cares about even me. He cares about the role he's given me. He actually wants this church to do better than I do. And it's mission and it's love and it's care and all that sort of stuff. God's up there going, you think you want it good? I want it good. He cares. He cares. All right. Thank you. Point six, be alert for the devil's attacks. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Last week we talked about uh, suffering. I want to thank you, by the way, for those of you who came and spoke to me and said that was helpful. You notice I didn't really talk too much about, we talked about evil all the way through, and, and I didn't really talk about the devil much. Did you notice that? Because quite honestly, we're very capable of doing most of the evil that we experience in our lives ourselves. We don't need him, but he's there. And so there's a warning here from Peter. And I hate to say it, but if you put your hand up to lead in God's kingdom, you do get the devil's attention. Of course you do. This is one of the many reasons why I go on about prayer in the church. This is why I value your prayers, as do all the other pastors and leaders. I guarantee that all the healthy and effective churches around the world have a, a very solid prayer foundation going on. I promise you, that's happening. Prayer is, the one, is one of the main ways we stand firm and we stay strong in our faith because Satan is the tempter. He's the divider. He encourages sin to infiltrate your life and the church. But he especially loves it when the leaders go that direction. He tempts us to think we're more important than we are. He uses lust and sexual temptations to derail us. How often have we seen that happen? He loves to stroke egos and push us into arrogance. The devil actually went after Jesus in a similar way. Jesus stood firm on the truth and the word of God to fight against him. Remember when he went into the desert after his baptism? Temptation after temptation after temptation. He, so Jesus gets it, by the way, when these things come your way. But he had the word of God to stand on. The devil will whisper things into your ear. You're, you're important, more important than others. This church can't do this without you. That's the sort of stuff the devil says. You're special, so you can have that little bit of extra liberty, perhaps. This is the, the sad stories we keep reading about leaders we've looked up to. You know better than others. You know, this little kingdom here is only here because of you. That's the sort of stuff the devil whispers in our ears. Or the other thing he does is he's good with actually making our fears be exacerbated as well. You know, you, you, you're going to fail. You're just not good enough. No one will ever listen to you. The devil says to us, you're a loser. That's him. Watch out for him when you think those thoughts or you hear those kinds of words coming at you. It, he's prowling. That's a lion, by the way. He's prowling like a lion. 
Be alert for those lies and temptations. If you're in Christian leadership, even when you're not, it doesn't matter. If you're following Jesus, they will happen. There was another temptation that Satan threw at Jesus along these lines. And guess who was the one that the devil kind of used to bring it to Jesus? It was Peter, the one that we've been raving about for the last nine weeks. Just after Jesus told the disciples that he had to die, here's what happened in uh, Matthew 16. Peter took him aside and he began to reprimand him and for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and he said, get away from me, Satan. Not that he was saying Peter was Satan, but he knew what was going on, didn't he? In that moment, you are a dangerous trap for me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. It doesn't seem unreasonable what Peter said, does it? Jesus going on about, I'm going to have to die. Peter goes, no way. We don't want that for you. I just said you're the Messiah. You can't. It seems reasonable. This is what Satan can do sometimes, though. He uses us to see things from an earthly perspective. You can see that temptation that was unleashed on Jesus. No wonder Jesus responded like this. His closest friend was pointing out a way that didn't align with his father's will. It's appealing. It does seem very reasonable. Jesus was alert to Satan's plans, and that's the point. One of the reasons we actually have a group of elders in churches is that sometimes it takes a group to discern things that the pastor may think he's hearing from God. You know, I need them to hold me accountable and discern. Is this, quite frankly, let's put it bluntly, is Satan tempting me? And hopefully my elders, together, we can hear from God. And just say, caution, pastor, or whatever it is. Hopefully they don't say, get behind me, Satan. (laughs) But if they did, I understand the context. Some of you have told me at times, Pastor, I pray for you and Shirley, and I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart because this guy is roaring and prowling. Please keep doing it. I promise I pray for you too. A good prayer includes the one that Jesus taught us. Lord, deliver us from evil. We're going to go back up to verse 5 and 6 for the last one. Humble yourself. 5b, and all of you dress yourself in humility as you relate to one another. For God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. And at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Eugene Peterson paraphrases that quote from Proverbs. You know, that, that, proverb, that bit in the middle there. He says, God has had it with the proud. He takes delight in just plain people. So good. Peter literally says, dress yourself in humility. Dress yourself. The ESV says, clothe yourself. And, and I had to think about this because I thought, well, isn't that, aren't we just putting like a covering over something? Like if, isn't that just like a fake humility? So it just can't be an outer garment. Humility flows from the heart. So those humility clothes can't be fake. They can't be just the cool leather garment, but underneath is the rags, right? It can't be a cover. They have to be who we are. What people see is what people get. But I think what I like about 
this whole idea of dressing myself in humility is that you have to get dressed every day. Hopefully. Hopefully you got fresh clothes on today. You have to get dressed every day. So now I'm thinking, I think I see what Peter's saying. Each day we choose the path of humility. Each day we consciously consider our motives, our actions, our words and our thoughts and, and we align them with Jesus. When our clothes aren't humble, we have to change them. Change the clothes. When, when we slip up and pride comes out, that's a moment to get changed. Get the dirty clothes off and burn them if you have to. Put on some fresh, clean clothes of humility. Jesus was the perfect example. That, that's what was going on when Peter tempted him to, to change course and not go to the cross. Our, our creator carried that cross for us. That's the perfect example of, of humility. You know, like literally, I'm not going to just give you half an hour of my time. I'm going to give my life. That's humble. And that's Christian leadership. In a sense, we, we're giving ourselves. We're not in it for us. Here's some quotes. Who loves quotes when I put them on the screen, by the way? Because last week I had heaps, and I thought, that was pretty good. <laughs> That's the one from Eugene Peterson. It was pride that changed angels into devils. It is humility that makes men as angels. That was Augustine. Humility isn't denying your strengths. It's being honest about your weaknesses. I love that one. From Rick Warren. Honest about my weaknesses. How do we do that? C.S. Lewis, because you can't have um, quotes without C.S. Lewis. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. You may, may have noticed that Peter didn't say, you leaders need to be humble. He said, all of you humble yourself. So he didn't just point to the leaders on this one. All of you, humble yourself. And I've shared this before and I'm going to say it again. Generally speaking, those around us are a better gauge of our humility than we are. So you want to know how you're going? And I, again, I, say, I know I say this a lot, but do you want to know how you're going with humility? You should ask someone. Someone you trust and that you know that loves you to be honest with you, because people like to be nice, and that's good. They should be. You know, the question is, how are people receiving me? Particularly when things aren't going well. This morning, I felt slightly stressed. How are people receiving me, you know? I wonder if you've ever done that, because I've suggested this. I don't know, half a dozen times over the last few years? Have you ever done it? Found someone you love and who loves you and that you trust and said, be honest with me. Because the people around us are a better gauge than we are. It's the answer to that honest question that should point you in the right direction and with the Holy Spirit's conviction and power to change you and with love and support from others, your church family, Dressing ourselves in humility becomes not only achievable, it's, it's the best way to live. 
It's a blessing to you and to everyone around you. Think about that for a second. You learn how to clothe yourself in humility, like it comes from the heart. The people around you will love it. And it'll be a blessing for you. Church, there is a kingdom power and abundant world-changing fruit when leaders lead like Jesus. When we lead like the world, we can do things and achieve things, but it won't necessarily be kingdom stuff. We have to lead like Jesus, lead like Peter. This morning I want to pray for you if, there's, uh, if you're in any kind of leadership at all. In the church, in, in your business, in schools, in community groups, small groups, clubs, you coach sport, you manage or supervise people, whatever it is. If you have influence over others in any way, I want to join you in asking God to lead like, to give us the power and the, the strength and the courage to lead like Jesus does. So why don't we stand together? This is important stuff. Who wants to see the church lead like Jesus? As a step of faith and commitment to the word today, Phil, thanks. As a step of faith, I'm going to ask you to step forward to the front for prayer. I'm not going to ask you to do anything more than that in case you're worried. If I come to the front, pastor, for prayer, are you going to ask me to do something more? I'm asking you to come to the front as a step of faith and commitment to lead like Jesus and to receive this morning from the, from the power from the Holy Spirit to actually do it that way. There should be a lot of you, I'm just going to say it, at the front. So now the altar's open. If you're in leadership in any way, I want to invite you to come forward and I want to pray for you and then I'll send you back to your seats. team until after. Just come to the front so we can make some space. If you're in business, you're in your teacher, you're in uni, you're leading people in some capacity, you've got workers, apprentices, keep coming to the front, you guys. Let's, let's see if we can get them out of the aisles. Make space for people, make space for people. Come across to the front here. You guys come across. Good on you. It's hard, isn't it? Being a leader. It's hard. This morning we're going to start by casting our cares. Let's pray. This, this morning, Lord, I, I just I feel a little emotional, God, because in front of me are people who have said yes when you've asked them to start a business or to lead a group or to be in the church, be a pastor, an elder, um, to be a teacher, whatever it is, Lord, we're doing it as Christians. 
therefore we have to lead like you. And God, I know that every single person here has struggled. They've had to correct people. They've had to deal with difficult times. They've had lots of things come against them. It's kept them awake at night. There's all been lots of stuff go on. I get it, Lord. And I know you get it too. This is the point. Jesus gets it. Folks at the front, Jesus gets it. He's led and it's been hard. So this morning, Lord, whatever it is right now, that big care, maybe there's more than one. In our mind, we just picture you are here and we pass it to you. Speak to us, I pray. You said you care for us. And so, Lord, we understand now that that's our motivation to lead. And so we care for those that we lead. We care about them, their lives, their struggles, their difficulties, their weaknesses, their families. Lord, fill us with the same compassion and empathy and care that you have. We ask for that this morning, God. I pray it over this group of people. I pray, Lord, you'll also give us the energy we need to lead well, to be keen, to be willing, to not be grudging. And Lord, when we are, that we take the right steps to find our way. Lord, help us to lead by example in our private life as well. We want to practice what we preach. Help us, Lord, to do that. And when we don't, Holy Spirit, you've got permission to show us that little conviction moment that realigns us with you. Lord, we also need to submit to your authority and those above us, even when it's hard. Show us how to be a good witness when things aren't going well with the people above us. Lord, we also pray uh, that you will help us to be alert to when the devil wants to send the temptations and the traps to derail us, to cut in front of us and send us off track. We we pray that simple prayer. Lord Jesus, deliver us from evil. And lastly, Lord, clothe us in humility. Lord, if there's any dirty clothes, help us to change them today. When we start each day when we go and lead these people it's humble it's humble so God if there's any search our hearts if there's any wicked way if there's any arrogant prideful way humble us we pray may we be humble leaders God I pray this over this group of people who have stepped forward this morning in faith I pray, Lord, that they will be effective leaders. I pray, Lord, that you will bless whatever it is they're leading, their ministries, their businesses, their classes, the, the people they're leading in the hospitals, in the, in the work site. Whatever it is, Lord, we pray your blessing 
and you'll watch and care over those moments and those people. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. Amen. Thanks, everyone, for stepping forward. I know it takes a little bit of courage to do that. We'll we'll stay standing. Before we sing, the team can come. Have I got one more scripture? Joseph. (coughs) This is how Peter finishes. I have written and sent this short letter to you with the help of Silas, whom I commend to you as a faithful brother. My purpose in writing is to encourage you and assure you that what you are experiencing is truly part of God's grace for you. So stand firm in this grace. Your sister church here in in Babylon, that probably means Rome, sends you greetings, and so does my son Mark. Greet each other with a kiss of love. And so we're going to do that now, and I'm just joking. I just needed to give you that little moment of panic. Peace be with all of you who are in Christ. Thanks, Peter, for your words today. Thank you, Lord, for helping him write them down and inspiring this amazing letter. We're going to sing together. Thank you.